You're listening to Apollo 11 Legacies, a series of podcasts produced through a partnership with Intuitive Research and Technology Corporation and WHNT News 19. I asked him, what did, do you, did he recall the launch of Explorer 1? And he said, do I ever? He said, had the success of that opened doors for us because uh, it was such an achievement that was people forget that this was this was America's reputation was at stake and the army responded that's Mike Baker the retired army materiel command historian that job followed decades as the aviation and missile command historian at Redstone Arsenal the conversation between myself, WHNT News 19 anchor Steve Johnson, and Baker was recorded at the WHNT News 19 studio. The topic, the Army's contribution to putting America into the space race. I would say the beginning of, of, of America getting in the space race actually started with the German rocket team moving here in 1950, or maybe the paperclip scientists coming to America right after World War II. Where would you put the beginning of America getting in the space race? I think you're right, Steve. That when you, and when always, as I say, when you talk about the Von Braun team, always remember that Von Braun talked about it, the team not just being the German rocket no. scientists, but the Americans that worked on, with him as well. Okay, so the end of World War II, the German rocket scientists, uh, so many of them surrendered to the Allies or to the American troops. They were brought to Fort Bliss, and they, they did work uh, at White Sands, which was essentially work on maybe advancing the V-2 missile, which had been developed during the war. Is that, is that a correct assessment? That's correct. And then essentially what happened is Fort Bliss had said, we don't have room anymore, and a General Holger Toftoy, uh, who was in charge of the Ordnance Rocket Branch at the time, started looking for places that he might relocate. He had already, uh, in November of 48, decided to move the Army's rocket mission to Huntsville, and, or Redstone Arsenal. And then he subsequently made decision in, in 1949, the Army decided to move the Von Braun team to Redstone Arsenal. Okay, very quickly, famous story of uh, then Colonel Toftoy, am I correct? Crawling yeah. around on the floor on yeah. a map showing somebody where that where He was that, vice where? chief of staff of okay. the Army, Matthew okay. Ridgway. He was looking, he was trying to sell Ridgway on the idea. Okay. And what essentially happened is his maps were too big and he had to put them on the floor. And he often told the story, he said, I, I'm literally on my hands and knees <laughs> begging for this place. Okay, so 1950, the German rocket team, uh, that's, that's all the engineers and their families mm -hmm. moved, moved to Huntsville and, and of course Redstone Arsenal. What, what was their job when they got here? What were they doing? Essentially, that the, we were in a budding missile program, yeah. uh, the guided missile program. But as we all know that the Von Braun team always had a keen interest in space. And so there was, uh, as an offshoot of that, there, were, there was work going on on the beginning, the early stages yeah. of the space program. 
Yeah, I think that it's safe to say that uh, Von Braun was at the time being part of, of article, magazine articles and things mm -hmm. about going to space while he was actually working on actually this. Actually had a, uh, that was back in the days when the he was with Walt Disney yeah. doing all those wonderful World of Disney yeah. shows. Okay. Now, the Redstone missile was the first big thing that they developed. I mean, there were other missiles, but the Redstone was the biggie. Am I correct? Yeah, you had the Redstone and the Jupiter. Yeah. Uh, uh, modified Redstone is what was actually used. You had the tactical Redstone, and then the modified Redstone is what was actually used uh, to launch Explorer 1, for example, America's first satellite in January of 1958. Interestingly enough, they were, the Army was ready to launch uh, a satellite into space, if you will, in September of 1956. Okay, but now we skip Sputnik. <laughs> okay, yeah. the, the, the Soviets during the International Geophysical Year, they mm -hmm. launched Sputnik and uh, Surprised folks. Is that a, is that a mild understanding? Yeah, that was a, that was a it was a shock at least to America and uh, the Russians. We were in the we were in the height of the Cold War, and the Russians had beat us into space, and American pride was at stake. Okay, so they launched Sputnik, and uh, America was going to respond, and they actually uh, they first called on the Navy. Yeah, they the the Vanguard program. Yeah. Which, and there was a huge, then December of 1957, national television, there was a, a launch of the Vanguard. Unfortunately, it exploded on the launch pad, and they turned to the Army 84 days later. After getting the mission, the Army launched Explorer 1. You're listening to a conversation with Army Materiel Command retired historian Mike Baker. We'll return to that in just a moment. More now from our conversation with historian Mike Baker. The topic, the Army's response to the Soviet Sputnik launch and the beginning of America as a spacefaring nation. Ernst Stuhlinger, the late Ernst Stuhlinger, who was, uh, I think you could say, uh, Von Braun's right-hand man, and he said, he said they were ready, they were ready, as you said, what, in 1956? September of 56. Okay, so, so they already were thinking about how do you use the Redstone, how do you modify it, we've got mm -hmm. a modified rocket, and I'm assuming that the satellite itself was also in their minds. Yeah, the satellite had been actually James Van Allen, and in concert with the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, with, uh, William Pickering, but the James Van Allen had developed the Explorer yeah. One satellite, and so there was it was a concerted effort that went on. It was not just so you had three. And there's a famous photo that yeah. after Explorer One launched that many of us have seen with Pickering, Van Allen, and Von Braun hoisting the Explorer yeah, One yeah. above their heads. Okay, and the thing is, uh, the Sputnik was basically a radio sending beeps back. The Explorer One actually did something. Yeah, it was it it was actually went up and it stayed up for a number of years, um, and it was not the only Explorer. There yeah. were many many other Explorers until the Army turned the program over to 
But the National. Explorer One, it was a, it was kind of studied radiation. Uh, yeah, that's what it was for. Van a Van Allen radiations belts is what they actually called it. Okay, so kind of a different time then, because it, it, and, and I'm, I'm I'm having a, a mental blank on the guy's name, but a, a college intern actually did soldering on Explorer One. Steve Smith, Doctor yeah. Steve Smith, who who worked out at the on the arsenal in the lab there for a number of years. Yeah. Yes, he used to tell some interesting stories as about a, that. As a college intern, yeah. which I think uh, should be an inspiration. <laughs> I mean, they basically, he was soldering on the uh, the item, the satellite that got us into the space That's program. That's the story he tells okay, us. Okay, now you're a historian. You, mm -hmm. You've looked at all this stuff, and, and we, we will grant your bias toward the Army. But this this was the tangible first launch, am I correct? Yes. Um, it was, and it's critical to it was critical to the development of Huntsville, the the launch of Explorer One. I'm, some of the old timers I've interviewed, hundreds of people who worked in different capacities, both missile side, the uh, Army and space side, if you will. And I remember one who actually worked with the tow missile system, and I asked him, "What did do you did he recall the launch of Explorer One?" And he said. Do I ever, he said, had the success of that open doors for us because uh, it was such an achievement that was people forget that this was this was America's reputation was at stake and the Army responded. Okay, uh, and, and uh, it's sort of amazing to me how quickly they did it even though we've kind of established mm -hmm. um, that they were thinking about it. Okay, it's still Two years till Marshall Space Flight Center is developed. What what are the, the what is the rocket team, which I suppose we should call missile team at this point? What were they doing in those two years? Well, at the same time I mentioned earlier, you had the Jupiter being developed, yeah. and so you had the the Army under the auspices of NASA, if you will, launched uh, monkeys Abel and Baker into yeah. space. They began the early work on what became the Saturn. Uh, that was so they were there was a number it was not just a they weren't sitting on their hands they were there was still a lot going on okay now we need to mention the the redstone missile was actually a cold war missile it was deployed in europe and, and it was a nuclear missile am i correct a short-range nuclear it missile could, or it, it could be it used. could be okay so do you think when they were developing the Redstone that their minds were all saying, you know, this thing could be used for space too? Was that was that was that? I don't think there's any doubt that there was always not only the Redstone but the Jupiter system as well. Was, uh, the, was the Jupiter system also a missile? Was it? Yeah. Was it? It was a yeah. longer range missile. The Jupiter, interestingly enough, we're getting off the space topic, but it was when uh, after the Bay of Pigs and we had the Cuban Missile Crisis, yeah. uh, the the Jupiters had been deployed to Turkey and were used as a negotiating ploy for the end of the Cuban yeah. Missile Crisis. So, uh, so we were busy kind of fighting the Cold War on two fronts mm -hmm. at Redstone Arsenal, on the military front, but also getting us in the space race. Absolutely. We'll be back with more of our conversation with retired Army Material Command historian Mike Baker. We're discussing the Army's contribution to putting America in the space race. We return now to our conversation with historian Mike Baker. 
What was the feeling, the feeling they had? Because a lot of them went from the Army to Marshall in 1960. What was the feeling they had in their minds about what the Army meant to the space race? The thing, the overwhelming response that I received from those I interviewed was the pride they felt in what they were doing. And the, how they used, to, all of them, many of them would tell stories about how the uh, wife, long before microwave ovens, they learned when they came home there was going to be a late dinner because they were going to be putting in extra hours. But it was just the, the pride and wanting to accomplish. They knew they were on to something big. That's right. And you've already mentioned that it wasn't just, sometimes we talk about this. It's like people think we had one of them around and 15 or 20 guys did this. But it was, it, it was ultimately hundreds, if not thousands, because when NASA was created, I think there were about 10,000 people. No, it was about 4,700. Okay, well, but not in, but 4,700, but, but the total number of employees there with ABMA, oh, and, yeah. and yeah, the total yeah. number was about, was more than 8,000, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, at least. Okay, and, and so they have a meeting, or they have a ceremony in 1960, mm -hmm. and then they walk back into the building, and half of Essentially them- Essentially change yeah. badges. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So half of them went, became NASA employees. Okay, now, you're an Army guy. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there some feeling, you know, when, when, when we are justly celebrating the Apollo 11 this year, do you feel like some old Army guys maybe get a little upset, they feel like the Army gets forgotten in all this? I think when we're celebrating the 200th uh, anniversary of Alabama, but we need to remember w what an integral role that the Army played in, in the development of this area of Huntsville wouldn't be what it is. You and I never would yeah. have met. Hadn't it? There would that probably wouldn't be a TV station. No, probably wouldn't be a Channel 19. <laughs> yeah. So, so it, it it was truly a big deal the work they did, and it, it's hard to still think is. That, but in 1955, the early 50s, they were already laying the seeds for going to the moon. Interesting story when they uncovered the time capsule. Yeah. Uh, and when was this? Uh, 2005. Okay, and where was the time capsule? Uh, buried uh, at the old courthouse okay. downtown. Right. And General Toftoy, who, who was the commander of Redstone at the time, was talking about how, uh, how in 2005 space travel would be uh, a, a big thing going on. What The story he told, and that Redstone would be a mecca, and all those things he predicted came true. It's, it's, it's an amazing story. And, and uh, this started, and, and Toftoy was actually in Germany when the, when the, when the rocket scientists were written. He surrendered. was the one who, who led the effort to bring the Von Braun team to the United States. Okay. One last story. And, and was Huntsville ever close to not having the Army come here for, for, for the, the research, the, the, the missile program? Absolutely. Uh, what, where, where might it have gone had it not gone here? That's a good question because when Fort Bliss had decided they didn't have the yeah. room anymore, you know, Toftoy was having to look around to try to find places that where he could consolidate yeah. that mission. And thanks to people like Senator Sparkman and Congressman Bob Jones, Senator Lister Hill, uh, a really aggressive downtown yeah. community, pushing and and trying to sell them on the merits of of what yeah. this arsenal had to offer. Yeah, and and we should mention that when they were selling the efforts, I believe Huntsville had a population in 1950 of about 16,000. That's what they said, yeah. 16,000 people and were 
We're somewhat larger than that now. A lot, much, much larger. Okay, so one la any last thing you'd like to say about what you think as a historian who's interviewed people and, and covered these things for decades, your you're kind of sum up what you believe about the Army and, and, and its relation to Apollo 11 stepping on the moon? Well, when you use the word step, the ar Army was the building block to success. I mean, from from the, the efforts, the, the foresight of the Army led to the creation of what became NASA Marshall Space Flight Center and what Huntsville is today. You've been listening to a conversation with retired Army Materiel Command historian Mike Baker. The subject, how the Army's work at Redstone Arsenal and the response after the 1957 Soviet launch of Sputnik got America into the space race. We invite you to listen to our other podcasts on this subject and more as we celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon mission. Go to the Apollo 11 tab at the top of our website, whnt.com. That's where you'll also find other interesting items on North Alabama's contribution to America's manned spaceflight history. Apollo 11 Legacies is produced in partnership with Intuitive Research and Technology. Content made possible with the U.S. Space and Rocket Center's Legacy Panel Lecture Series. Music provided by Megatracks.